Hello and welcome to the Academy of Conscious Creators podcast, where we have extraordinary discussions to empower you to create the story of your life. Each week, you will discover how to overcome painful patterns of mental, emotional and physical distress, how to drop the mask of your public persona, and revolutionary steps of what you can do to awaken your true health and potential. You have the power to create a new story of your life starting right now. So, what's your story? With the past 18 months having been disrupted due to COVID, for many it's been an extremely traumatic and unsettling time. Yet the positive flip side is that an invaluable window of opportunity has opened for us to think about how we've been living our lives and what really matters. I'm your host, Victoria, and welcome to a brand new series. In this series, Pete and I will delve into the topic, the stories we tell ourselves. And today, we will discuss the perspectives we have on the world around us and how to empower ourselves by understanding our unique interpretation of the world. Welcome back, Pete. Good to have you here. Hello, Victoria. Great to be back again. Uh, hi, listeners. Great to be with you all as well. I'm back, relaxed, refreshed, reinvigorated, and raring to go with our podcast. So, great stuff. Excellent. I'm really pleased to hear that. So, the stories we tell ourselves, we do it all day long. We tell ourselves a story about what's happening in our lives, about other people, about ourselves. It means that we've constructed a narrative based on our experiences, and then we buy into that narrative. So for some of us, this has led to a set of realizations and a fork in the road. A, do I keep telling myself the same stories and getting the same results? Or B, do I notice that there's been a story going on, see it for what it is, and then decide to change it in order to start generating a different set of outcomes. Pete, how have you experienced the past 18 months? What kind of stories have you been telling yourself and hearing others tell themselves? Yeah, I've been, I've been, <laughs> I've been telling myself a lot of stories, it, 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 it's, uh, it would appear, and I've been hearing a lot of stories too. So, you know, like you said, I think that this window of opportunity has been a great one if you've stepped up and taken it because, yeah, you know, there was a lot to be observed, a lot to be acted upon, and a lot of transformation to be benefited by. So, you know, I guess three things that I was thinking about in particular. Uh, I was thinking about consumerism and specifically also about how we consume food. I've been thinking about friendships and how we commit to people that we call our friends i've also been thinking about you know the nature of transformation in that you know it becomes quite apparent that more often than not as we go from being one version of ourselves to another we kind of go through um, a, a bumpy patch if you like a, a bit of turbulence it doesn't always have to be the case but quite often it's the case I think what's going on there is that we are, as we move forward, a part of us is still holding on to the past, 
right? So we're still fearful of losing what we had. And at the same time, you know, perhaps a tad apprehensive of what's to come. So I think this, this turbulence is, a, is a, a, a case of friction as we kind of leave one level and move to a higher level. But when you think about it, when you lose something, that's the only way in which you can gain something. You can't have both operating at the same time. So the whole loss and gain thing is actually two sides of the same coin. So I've been thinking about these three avenues of thought and our stories. And I guess two in particular pop into my mind, They're not particularly groundbreaking in terms of what they are, but I think when I relay them in a second, the audience will certainly be able to relate to them very strongly because, you know, they are, I think, typical of the stories that we abide by, but don't take the time to analyze, stop and change. So the first one is to do with consumption. So consumerism, yes, but specifically on, on a personal level. And what I was doing fairly recently was going through like a detox period, if you like. And so I embarked upon a, a food discipline, shall we call it, called intermittent fasting. And for those of you who don't know, intermittent fasting just basically means that you, that you restrict your eating to occur between specific windows of time rather than, you know, continually eating all the way through the day. So I was doing this and in conjunction with that, I was you know, cutting out certain food groups like carbs, you know, dairy, alcohol, things like that. Anyway, I, I quickly realized that the story that I've been telling myself was the minute I feel any kind of hunger, I have to go and eat. Now, I think I've been thinking that way literally since I can remember how to think, right? It's always been a case of the minute I get some rumblings in my stomach I'm like right where's the fridge <laughs> a foodie. yeah exactly however it became quite apparent quite quickly that you know when you're on something like an intermittent fasting regime where you can only eat initially say between 12 hours three times three times within that period and then within six hours three times in that period and then within two hours it suddenly occurred to me that okay I may be feeling hungry outside of these periods when I, yeah, when I can't eat, or yeah, when I can eat, rather. But, you know, I, I, can, I can live with that, right? I don't have to go raid the fridge. So the great thing about the intermittent fasting was that it quickly teaches you that your body is able to live on significantly less amount of input in terms of food than you've been giving it. So now I find myself that I'm starting to, you know, get the pains of hunger rather than you know going to make a sandwich or you know rummaging for the packets of crisps or whatever i'll just take some water for sake of argument or you know i'll take a hot drink and that will curb the hunger so you know it seems that wrapped up in the hunger is actually also first so the bottom line is that i'm now fully aware that i don't have to eat all the time <laughs> i'm not a bloody constant flipping eating machine and as a result of that, I feel actually a lot better, a lot more energized, and my body's energies are working much more efficiently and effectively. So I don't know how long I've been following that story, but that story has now come to an end. So that was one example, right, of um, you know consumption uh, as a um, kind of subset of consumerism. And then I think the other one is to do with uh, with friendships, and um, you know. 
the story I think I'd been following was it's okay for me to keep making the effort to speak to people in my social circle who clearly aren't on the same wavelength that I'm on. So in other words, you know, it's okay, Pete, to keep trying to engage these people who you know aren't your type of people. Now, there's no harm in that, I realised. You know, ultimately, you know, these people aren't doing me any, any, you know, any, any ill will. Um, and I think you know, with most people, you're going to have one or two of these types of people within your social circle always. But I, I kind of started to think, well, look, I'm about having meaningful conversations, not all the time, but you know, on a fairly regular basis. And if I'm not actually getting anything back from these people that I'm engaging with, then I may as well save my energy and not bother to keep engaging them. So what I've done is decided to, um, how can I say it? I've, I've tried to, to conserve my social energetic output, <laughs> for want of a better term. Now, what that basically means is that I'm no longer going to be proactively trying to engage people when I see them, you know, in a social setting. I'll hold back and wait for them to speak to me. Now, I won't be rude. I won't ignore them. But I've decided that it no longer is, you know, it no longer makes sense for me to keep putting my energy out there and making the effort to engage them when, as far as I can remember, they've never really engaged me at the level that I've wanted to be engaged. So, you know, I'm ha I'll happily leave them where they are and engage, you know, if, if, if they want to do that. But I'm not going to be exerting any more effort. So to kind of wrap up that rather like lengthy, lengthy, lengthy discussion there, the story is that, right, it's now not okay for me to continually make the effort to engage people just because they're in my social circle, even if they're not on my wavelength. So I'm not having it anymore. I think that's probably a story that a lot of us can relate to. And, um, and I guess what I felt on the back of just making that fairly simple decision, both for that and for the food, is that I found I was feeling a little bit energetically lighter, which makes me think that, or realise rather, that the stories that I had been subscribing to were constricting me in some way. And now I've created a new set of stories to abide by. They are allowing me to expand. And so as we kind of talk a bit further on today, that whole expansion contraction thing will come up again as we start to link that to whether something is positive for you or something is not positive for you. So those are the things that have been going through my mind over the last 18 or so months. But you know, two specific examples there. So I hope they've been of some benefit. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you. And um, really kind of tapping into, you know, what you value, um, what creates a meaningful life for you and actually what matters to you, I guess. And at the same time, as you, as you just said, you know, making better choices for your health and well-being um, and ultimately your, your personal growth. And um, when you just touched on the expansion and contraction you know, I think in any kind of, you know, we're rebirthing our, ourselves in a way, we're becoming, you know, we're deciding that actually how we've been living and who we've been um, all this time isn't serving us anymore. So we need to create a new being, a new state of being. So it's kind of like a, you know, the contraction of a, of a, you know, rebirthing ourselves, you know, 
Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah. It, it, actually, yeah, that's a great analogy. Yeah, it's a great analogy. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Good. Yeah, so for me, it's been quite similar, actually. Um, I've, I've also become more aware of the old story that I've been carrying um, and actually becoming more aware. So noticing when I'm slipping back into that, that old pattern um, so I could allow more of that baggage to start to fall away. Um, because ultimately, the stories that we're telling ourselves, they, they do one of three things. Um, as you've kind of expanded earlier, they regress you or they stagnate you, keep you stuck, um, repeating the same things, or they can drive you forward. And so for those keen to um, drive their lives forward, I think this would be a great episode to, to listen to. For sure, for sure. Yeah, so by consciously choosing to make decisions based on my values, an invisible door of opportunity opened. And I've noticed new people, new experiences start to enter my life that are better in alignment with the revised version of myself mm-hmm. and having taken the steps to rewrite my story and therefore detaching more from the old identity. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and, and one of the things I discovered is a lot of the stories I've been telling myself, myself sorry, weren't even mine. Um, like my beliefs had been passed down through the generations. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly the women in the family um, who I think perhaps from, you know, because of social and patriarchal constructs that they grew up in, Mm -hmm. they hadn't ever been able to set healthy boundaries. And so that um, wasn't passed down, you know, wasn't passed on to me, wasn't taught Mm -hmm. to me as I was growing up. So I've had to relearn what a healthy relationship looks like and feels like to me. Yeah. 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 I get it. I get get, get it. And, you know, so, I concur with all you're saying there. And to the first point about the, I think you were saying about you're now meeting new people and new and new friends and stuff. And so in order to you know create the new, you had to lose the old. Mm. And so it's that coin again, right? You know, let's, let's kind of turn the coin over. Initially it was saying loss, but you know, to get the game, we have to flip it. So I, I get what you're saying there. And also, in terms of that, uh, those generational stories, uh, 100% on the case with that, I think, you know, with my own personal background, so I come from an Afro-Caribbean background, and I've had many, many, many uh, stories passed down from, you know, to me, from my parents and, and from my parents' parents. And I think quite early on in my life, it became clear to me that a lot of those stories just weren't going to fit, you know, my narrative, they weren't going to fit my experience my paradigm and so you know i I literally threw them out you know i'm I'm not having them now that's not to say that those stories those thought processes and those beliefs weren't valid in my parents day or my grandparents day because they certainly were i think that certainly times were different there was significantly a greater amount of oppression um a lot more struggle um, I think their thought process was very much more from a survival perspective um, and, you know, how to kind of be shown dignity and respect, which is still relevant today. But the, the levels of challenge I think that we face, or I particularly face, aren't anywhere near what they were in those days. And so we have to kind of appreciate the fact that, you know, times have moved on. We have evolved to some degree 
they are certainly not perfect. There is still a lot of work to be done. But I think the patterns that I was identifying and the stories that I've been given were very restrictive. And so I no longer want to be living my life through a lens of restriction. I want to be living my life through a lens of expansion. And yeah, as I'm, as I'm saying that, I think, um, I think about like a, an hourglass, right? And so if I think about all the stories that I've been given from my parents, well, not all of them, but a lot of them I've been given from my parents and their, and their parents, you know, above that bit in the middle, you know, that, that, that tiny bit in the middle, you know, all of that is, a lot of that is kind of restriction and constriction. And I see myself as the kind of the inflection point, the bit in the middle where I take a lot of those stories and I say, do you know what? That's the end of the cycle. Let me now flip that and expand it out. So I then become the bottom part of the, um, of the hourglass, if you like. Mm -hmm. So that's just something that's just coming to my mind. But um you know, I'll share a quick story if I may. Um, it's not my own, but it's about generational stories. So I heard this story of a woman who at Christmas, every time she cooked a Christmas ham, what she would do is get the ham and like cut the corners off. And then somebody said to her, I think it might have been her, her son or her daughter, that said, you know, well, mum, why'd you keep cutting the, the corners off the ham off? And the mum said, well, uh, I don't know. Um, you know, my mum always did it, so I do it. And then one day, she spoke to the mum and said, "Hey, mum, you know, why do you cut the ham? Yeah, why do you cut the corners of the ham?" <laughs> right? And the mum said, "Well, I'd only do it if the ham couldn't fit into the pot." Well, that was any <laughs> reason why I was doing it. So the daughter never took the time to ask the question as to why she was doing what she was doing. And so she was blindly following this story. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it didn't make sense to follow because there was no logical application of that story to her particular scenario. And um, so here's the thing, right, is that, you know, if, if we don't break this cycle of just kind of blindly following stuff, and if we don't start to, to recognise our patterns of behaviour, you know, we often end up living, I guess, according to stories that have been scripted for us rather than living by our own, our own stories that are scripted by us. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, if we, if we don't basically get out of the habit of getting out of a habit, then that can sometimes inadvertently lead to situations that are against our better judgment. I think it can lead to situations whereby we're not following our intuition. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, that's, not a great way to be and I realize that at times it can be hard to kind of get out of the pattern of just doing the same thing because you've always done it or doing the same thing because everyone else does it mm. but this is the whole thing about transformation right sometimes it's not easy to do but what it does require is us to do it and put the effort in to break it when it needs to be broken so um yeah so there you go so if you're cutting the edge off the off the ham just you know make sure you know why you're doing it <laughs> Is my thought. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, some really um great points there, and uh nice to have a bit of a funny story because it really you know gets you thinking, you know, why do I keep why do I do these things and have yeah. actually even considered because you know, I think you said the key words were blindly just uh, follow, you know, following it out, carrying That's it right. on. That's right. That's right. And you know, I, I guess our belief systems 
and are the stories that we tell ourselves and they help us sort of define a personal sense of reality. Um, and, you know, every human being has a set of belief systems that they utilise. Um, and that's what helps us, you know, make sense of the world around us. Um, and beliefs are relational, as you were just, you know, explaining. So if we delve a bit deeper, we can find that the stories we tell ourselves, they provide an insight into our subconscious mind. And that's where we hold our fears, our beliefs, our desires, our ambitions. And, you know, we tend to believe what we're telling ourselves, don't we? And we tend that's to right. believe what we want to hear from other people as well, right? What, what, what we do. And... You know, sorry to, to interject there, but as you're saying that, you know, it, it makes me think about the saying that seeing is believing. Mm. But actually, it's the other way around. When you think about it, it's believing is seeing. Because when we believe we have a set of beliefs, mm. we literally mould our reality to conform and reinforce those beliefs. So it's, so the seeing is believing thing is actually like an inside out thing. It's a believing is seeing and not seeing is believing. So I just wanted to kind of throw that in there, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, great. Thank you for that. I think yeah. that's um, something that listeners can take away because, you know, we live in a world where we are constantly fed by information and that impacts our, our thoughts and beliefs, you know, and it's shaped often, as you were saying, by what we see. So it's our family dynamics, our societal and cultural constructs, um, religion, politics, the media, etc. Um, yeah. Sorry. The whole the whole shebang. Basically. The whole shebang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are multiple factors that are constantly influencing us, mm. and um, you know, as you touched on earlier, some are serving us, and some perhaps aren't aren't serving our highest mm. good. Um, so with that said, Pete, I wonder what tools and techniques we could share um, to help our listeners recognise the stories that they've been telling themselves, hmm. that they can start to deconstruct them and discern their own truth. So, yeah, any ideas? Yes, one one does come to mind, and it's about, yeah, the uh, term I like to use is, is, is to de-story our lives, which is sounds very much like destroy. Oh, yeah. um, and um and so yeah so so here's like a, a technique right it's like a, a simple three-step process that the listeners the watchers and the viewers can can use to um to rewrite things so so first thing is you know acknowledge whether you're actually following a story that's holding you back or pushing you forward right now based on what we've been talking about you know you're going to acknowledge something that is really going to be have been holding you back right so in that event you want to kind of quickly check in with yourself in terms of how you feel about following that story so when you think about how you you know what what happens to your body give yourself like a a, a mark out of 10 if you like where 10 is oh my god every time i think about me behaving in this way you know it's so uncomfortable that i can't i can't bear it and a one is, hey, you know, it's kind of walking the park. Um, and so this issue, you know, obviously, if, if it's like a number one, then just discard that because it's not of a high enough intensity. But find something that is, you know, at least to a five or a six. And then what you then want to do is you want to basically go into a situation where you think, right, what's the worst thing that could happen if I didn't follow this story 
to you know its its normal logical conclusions. I think what's important here is just to make sure that you know that that worst case scenario isn't going to kind of cause you any psychological or physical damage, right? But um, assuming it doesn't, then just play that worst case scenario over in your mind for a while you know, one or two minutes just to kind of own that and be comfortable with how things potentially could be at their worst and then what you want to do is you want to think about an alternative course of action that you can take when the if you were to follow that story you get to a, a, a point where you can choose what to do next right so give yourself a, a different alternative to then follow think about and feel into how that alternative feels on a scale of one to 10 in the same way that you felt into how your current story feels on one to 10. And when you do that, what you, you're normally going to find is that the feelings are a lot more pleasant and the intensity is significantly less when compared to understanding the scale of the existing story that you're going to follow. So, by way of example, then, let's go back to my scenario with the food, right? So let's say I got, I, I, I suddenly feel hungry. Uh, I get up, I go to the fridge. I'm about to put my hand in and like, you know, pull out like a block of cheese or whatever. Because <laughs> uh, that's one of my, um, you know, one of my um, weak points. Uh, but rather than that, I've kind of thought about what the option would be. And the alternative option is to, to put the kettle on and like, you know, have a cup of mint tea instead. So basically, what I now want to start to do is whenever the hunger kicks in, I see myself going up to the fridge. I don't go for the fridge. I go for the hot drink instead. And then if I keep doing that, and I, you know, and I follow that religiously, what will start to happen is that I will literally start to be creating a new set of neural pathways in the brain, and what happens is, you know, like any repeated pattern of behavior, the more you do that, it turns into an automatic way of behaving. So in other words, I end up crafting a new behavior. So that all began by me looking at the situation that I'm in now, thinking about the worst case scenario, if I didn't continue down those same lines, thinking about an alternative, and then acting on that alternative in order to make a new behavior that is more expansive and positive for me to come about. So that's really, uh, I think, the, uh, the technique that we can leave the audience with. And I think that would be a good one for them to, to jump on board with and start to put into practice, you know, which they can do as of today and see what happens. So it'd be great to get the feedback on the, um, on the live Q&A from that one. Mm, yeah, amazing. And um, so what we're saying is when we connect the mind to our feelings um, and also more specifically to like our heart space yeah. and just solely, you know, coming from our thinking mind. Um, we tend to find that we just know, we know what's true for us. Yeah. Um, and then we can actually reorganize our ego mind's role so that, you know, cause we need our ego, we need it to support us, but rather than it running the show, it can support how we, um, it can support us by you know tuning into how we physically feel about something mm-hmm. um, and then organize the steps around that to take um, inspired action um, so that way life becomes easier to navigate right because 
our mind will already know what it's got to do rather than constantly trying to figure it out, um, which, of course, so many of us um, do. Yeah, this is the thing, right? It's, you know, set, set yourself up in a way such that the outcomes you want are made achievable in a much more effortless manner. You know, we have this habit of yeah, wanting to struggle all the time, right? When after time we don't need to. And so when you think about it, I think we touched on this before in episode one, but if you were to combine the intelligence of the brain with the intelligence of the gut and of the heart, because I think we were saying that there are actually brain cells like in our hearts and also in our guts as well. So we've actually got three brains, right? So yeah, what you're saying is leverage the three brains right? <laughs> rather than just kind of like work on the one. And you know, when you use more resources to get to where you want to get to, then you know, assuming those resources are kind of aligned with the work that you're doing, you're going to be much more efficient in getting to that finish line. So yeah, I'm all about working with systems that create ease and um, you know, give us beneficial outcomes okay. uh, more easily. So yeah, those are my closing words, I think, for, for today. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you, Pete, for another enlightening conversation today. My pleasure. My, as always, my pleasure. <laughs> Joining me. So just to recap today's discussion, uh, we looked at how our fears, desires, beliefs and ambitions shape the stories that we tell ourselves and how these may not even be our own stories, but those that have been passed down our ancestral lines. Um, we also shared some techniques to help you tap into your feelings um, and your heart versus the ego mind um, so that you can make more conscious informed choices and then better navigate your life. And if you want to continue the discussion, you can uh, submit any questions or comments to our Facebook page, which is the Academy of Conscious Creators. Um, we will answer your questions in our weekly live short answer session which uh, is every Wednesday at 7pm. And uh, remember to tune in again next Wednesday at 8pm, where we'll be guiding you to overcome problematic situations that are making you feel anxious, worried or fearful. So until then, good night. Good night. Thanks, folks. Thanks, Victoria. Speak soon. Bye-bye.